I mean, you said it. it it's not a prediction. Uh, Cade Cunningham will almost certainly have a better career than Herb Jones. Cade Cunningham has all the talent. Uh, the way he plays has a much higher upside. But right now, this year, who is better? Well, it's close. Yeah, it is. No doubt you, about it. It's only about I, this year. Not about projections. Right. Only this year. But when I say this, I know people are going to come back at me of, well, look at Cade Cunningham, an all-star now. Shows you. No, nah, none of it's a prediction. Thinking Jokic is MVP is not a prediction about how he's going to hold up in the playoffs against the Warriors. Thinking Rudy Gobert is Defensive Player of the Year in the regular season is not a prediction of how he's going to hold up in the playoffs. Yeah, and but we, you know, we go through this every year, don't we? Like, well, to some people it is. Like, yeah. to, to some voters it is. To some voters, they're like, "Oh, I got, I got to do it this way because it's not going to look good." Like in the long run, I, I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. Like, it's about what you did in the regular season. Exactly, and I don't, you know, every. Well, I remember when I used to hear, you don't hear it as much, but I used to hear all the time, "Oh, well, LeBron's really the MVP of the league. He's the best player." You know, like I'm talking about. You know, you, know, you don't hear that so much anymore. You don't hear so much anymore, but, you know, you hear – but, you know, during those years when some of these other guys, you know, Harden was getting uh, mm-hmm. in competition and Westbrook, well, LeBron's really the best player. It's like that's irrelevant. We're not. It's not about a lifetime achievement award or that, hey, you know, uh, in, in, in the last two minutes of game seven, who you're going to take. That's not what, what it's about. It's about over 82 games – who had the best season? And, you know, some of these guys, and as you've seen with LeBron later in his career, uh, takes off, you know, he takes off on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, he had, I mean, he hasn't been, to me, a, a consistent defender, one on one, that is, for a long time. Um, it's like, okay, I understand that he's playing for the postseason because he has bigger goals in mind, but I can't just give him MVP. <laughs> because he didn't put in that effort for 82 games when other guys did. And that's that because it's a regular season award. So, yeah, he could go off in the postseason and average 50 points a game and lock down everybody he defends and say, oh, wow, see, he was the best player all along. Well, he wasn't the best player in the regular season still. So two separate things. And I think people have trouble separating that and understanding and seeing that nuance and it does it does go over to voters as well and you know me i, I don't give a damn i'll, I'll put, i mean i i think one year i was the only person who didn't put lebron when i was a voter in the top five of an mvp vote and i got pulled on somebody's radio station asking like <laughs> why can i put lebron on the top five I was like, he didn't have the better regular season than the guys i put up but yeah off reputation yeah he's top five uh over all time is he a better player than the guys I have on the list? Yes, but we're talking about this year and this year alone, nothing else. That's a good chance to do a formal introduction. Welcome to the Pro Basketball <laughs> Talk podcast. I'm Dan Felton here, Jay Michael, uh, former Pacers, Wizards beat writer, uh, knows the NBA, not afraid to give his opinions on the NBA. His opinions are often correct on the NBA, even if you don't want to hear him. He's now the sports editor of the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, very glad about two things. One, that he's still following the NBA closely, so that for the second thing, uh, he can come back on this podcast, Talk NBA. Uh, Jay, glad to have you on. Uh, my crusade lately has been, it is silly, because of this uh, this sort of imbalance where some people, I get the desire to want to reward the best players, the guys who do it in the postseason, but the NBA's main awards are all regular season. My thing is, why aren't there series MVPs? If there's a play there are two players of the week every week in the regular season who cares such a meaningless award why doesn't the nba name series mvps then you could kind of stack these postseason honors for these truly great players so since last year i've been naming those at pro basketball talk um going through each series round by round through round one here we just named eight series mvps uh, i do want to talk to you more about the playoffs uh you know the the awards are interesting but uh i want to get your take on the playoffs the sun's Tonight, uh, we're recording this uh, early Thursday morning. The Suns just dismantled the Mavericks uh, by 20. Is Phoenix the championship favorite to you? I has to be. I mean, every time I, I you know, I can't – look, they're definitely, to me, coming out of the West. I, if they don't come out of the West, I'll, I'll be absolutely stunned. Um, and they're so good, you know, they can – they can lose a player of Devin Booker's caliber for a couple of games or Chris Paul um, uh, and still 
it still puts your head out. Like that's how good they are. Um, they, they, they can do everything. They can play inside. They can, they can beat you from two. As you saw tonight, they can murder you from three. Um, uh, the, the defense transition, uh, everything they do is just so smart. They got locked down defenders, uh, bridges. Um, you got big time shot makers like Chris Paul, as he's been showing in the fourth quarter, like he did tonight. Uh, uh, and, I mean, that game was close. If you look at the final score of the game with the Mavericks and you didn't see the game, you say, wow, that was another blowout. I mean, that game was, in, I was intrigued until the fourth quarter. And Chris Paul just went Chris Paul again, and then Devin Booker joined the, joined the party. They they have they have so many different elements to that game in which ways they can beat you. Like I was watching Golden State and some things about them when they were just playing Memphis, and I was like, man, you know, they don't have the size in the post for the rim protection that they need, which is why they have issues stopping John Morant, even though they're defending him well at, a lot, and. Phoenix doesn't have that problem. <laughs> Phoenix has, to me, seems like every base covered and have a counter for everything that you throw at them. So, yeah, I think they have to be the favorites coming out of the West. I don't see anybody, uh, Golden State uh, or Memphis, having a shot to beat them. Actually, I think I think Memphis might be a more interesting series because of John Morant, but I, I, just, I just can't see it. I, I don't even think either series would be close against Phoenix. I had the Suns as a big favorite coming into the playoffs. And then when Booker got hurt and the Warriors were playing so well against the Nuggets and the Celtics were sweeping the Nets, I kind of started to favor the Warriors or Celtics, but I'm back on Phoenix now. I, I don't see how they, they can't yeah. be the favorite. Everything they've proven over the regular season, like you said, this is a complete team. Offensively, defensively, they're versatile. They can play different ways. I am a little hesitant of we're judging them at their very best. Like I, I think as good as Chris Paul and Devin Booker are, uh, the shot making right now is unsustainable. Now it could come back down to earth and this could still be the best team in, in the NBA. Uh, but I, I just can't trust that they can keep doing this. Oh yeah. Nobody's going to shoot 65% again in a full game in a postseason like they did against Dallas in game two. I, I can't, that that's not, that's not reasonable to expect something like that. But that's but you kind of made my point, which is, yeah, okay, they may not be this good, or it may not be, you know, they may not shoot like this, and may not be at this optimum level, you know, in another couple weeks or so. But like to me, their level is so high that even if they get knocked down a few rungs, I still think that's much higher than anybody else can reach. See, I think that's our difference. Can reach. Uh, I do think the Warriors, the Celtics have that capability. Maybe even the Bucks, if Chris Middleton gets healthy, uh, I think they have that capability. Oh, see, I was I, talking about the okay. I was talking about the West. I think the but Bucks. Still, do, yeah, yeah. still the war. I think the Warriors do too, but but have the capability. Do I think they'll necessarily get there? No, but. I mean, this is why I favor the Suns, but I do think they have the, the upside. I, I think when we've seen the Warriors humming, they have some of those similar characteristics. They can play multiple ways. They have the defensive versatility. Uh, they have the multiple scorers. What, what do you see as as missing from the Warriors where they're not uh, capable of getting on that same well, level? Well, like I said, when, when I was watching you know, them defending Memphis, like they did, look, the Warriors' transition defense is great. Like, man, I saw them get down and wall the glass against John Morant in transition. And it was fantastic. Like they got three guys with Steph, Draymond, and I think Clay all got back after a miss shot, stopped John Morant. Um, they get a miss, uh, the ball, or I think they got a deflection. The ball ends up in Jaws' hands again, and he knocks down a mid-range jump shot. So it was actually well defended, even though Morant still scored. Um, but I, I just think like, there are times where, especially in that game, and and, and maybe that again, maybe kind of like you just said with Phoenix tonight, it's unfair to judge that Phoenix will be playing at this level. Maybe it's unfair to judge that Ja will play at the level the rest of the playoffs and the rest of the series the way he did in game two. But they were in position a lot of times when he did these drives and they were there to contest, but they didn't have the shot blockers to do anything with it. They didn't have anybody to alter 
his shot into, you know, you saw him when they were in that Minnesota series, even though they won that series, you know, he had issues getting to when he got when he got close to the rim, he had trouble finishing. He took a lot of bad shots at the rim because of the the size and some length. And that's what Golden State, you know, even though Draymond is a fantastic defender still, and you have, you know, sometimes Otto Porter playing the four, he's a six foot eight long guy, but they still don't have the kind of guy, the rim protection you need for a guy like Morant who can still score against those guys, even the most difficult shots. And I think, so when I look at Golden State, I'm like, they've done everything right. And this guy still drops, what, 45, 47 points the other night. Um, and so I think Golden State miss, misses that, uh, is missing that when it comes to a player like that. Um, but also, you know, they, they had moments, they've had moments, and maybe this is a Memphis thing uh, in terms of dealing with them, but I, they have moments that where, you know, you have Clay Thompson on the floor, and I want to say, I couldn't remember if it was Jordan Poole or if it was another I think it was Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's isolating, dribbling a little bit too much. Clay is in the corner, and he goes to Clay to make a pitch, and Clay is standing in the corner, and then they basically, their spacing gets completely destroyed, and it, it turns into just a, a lost possession. And it wasn't just an isolated incident. I saw them that happen probably five or six times in that game. And they just seem to be a little bit off rhythm. And, I mean, I don't know if that's because – look, obviously this isn't the Golden State team, the championship teams that we saw when they were humming at their best. But I see them as being a little bit off. Entry passes aren't quite as crisp. It's a lot of sloppy plays and turnovers. I'm sure Memphis and their length and their defensive intensity have something to do with that. I just don't think Golden State is quite – they're almost there. Fine. I just don't think they're quite as fine tuned as they need to be. I think they can still get past Memphis in the series. I just don't think they get past there. They have enough to get past Phoenix. And I don't, I don't think they have enough firepower. I mean, they have firepower. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know if Clay Thompson is playing his best basketball. Right. And, um, I, I think it's better. For instance, I think Steph Curry is even better in that Memphis series when he rejected Draymond Green's screens instead of taking them because I think he it resulted in more contested shots and more difficult shots uh, for him. Because, you know, obviously nobody's going to go follow Draymond Green if he, if he pops out to the three-point line or even if he cuts, they're going to use the low man to rotate to take him away. And I just don't think their offense – at times it's beautiful – but I think there's those moments where they have more of those negative plays than what I've been used to seeing when they're playing at their best. I, I think those sloppy turnovers are probably what they have most in common with, with what they were when they were elite. They've always done the, that. Yeah. Uh, it's just not the positives mixed in. I, th- I think a lot of it for the Warriors is just uh, unsustainably low shooting uh, from, from distance. You know, uh, In the yeah. last game, Steph Curry 3 for 11, Clay Thompson 2 for 12. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Clay Thompson's ever getting back to what he was, right. but he can still be better than a two for 12, three point shooter. I, I agree with you. Uh, their offense does look like a little out of flow, but mm-hmm. I think if their shots regress up to the mean and, and just fall reasonably, uh, it'll look better without actually, you know, the flow being better. It'll just look better. Yeah. Um, and then as far as defense on John Moran, I guess we saw that fairly differently because I really thought the game plan was to use Gary Payton the second uh, on John Morant, not let him get into the paint. And I saw a team that wasn't ready to defend John Morant without Gary Payton the second. Gary Payton is a phenomenal defender uh, when he's in the game. The only thing that kept him from being on one of my all defensive teams is uh, playing time, right? You can't have the same defensive impact if you're not on the court and he didn't have as big a role as some of the other candidates during the regular season, but in this playoff series, they clearly intended for him to have a huge role. And then he takes that cheap shot from Dylan Brooks is out of the game. Uh, And I just don't think the Warriors adjusted. I do think Steve Kerr is a good coach. I'm not sure exactly what the adjustment is. I have more trust in Steve Kerr finding it than me, but I I saw what they were doing. Wasn't working in the last game. Uh, And, and so I think that can look better against John Murray, even though, as you said, they don't have that traditional rim protector. But Draymond Green, excellent defender and, and has, over time, found a lot of ways, a lot of creative ways uh, to limit paint scoring. Yeah, he's – he's you know, John Morant makes some ridiculous shots. I mean, this – he was making shots that were still well defended, even without Gary Payton. 
that most other guys aren't going to make in that position. Like he made some, he made some foolishness at times. Um, but yeah, I was actually when when I was referring to the way that they were defending him uh, about the defensive issues, I was specifically referring to really game two, and after Gary Payton went down. So I had <laughs> I was going to get to Gary and mention how big of a deal I think it is that he got hurt. Like, you know, a lot of people look at you know, hey, look at his how many points he averages per game. You know, I mean. People who obviously follow the Warriors and know about Gary Payton knows his values on that defensive side. And that's where I think losing him, you know, obviously hurts tremendously. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Kerr can probably figure something out. Um, I just I just I, I just think just generally speaking, whether they got Payton or don't have Payton, whether Clay Thompson is playing better or not, you know, this, to me, that seems to be more. Maybe the dry spells are just more often that I see with them having bad stretches offensively and defensively. I thought offensively, by the way, in game two, the shots that, you know, that Clay was taking, um, even Steph at times, and it's kind of hard to say, well, they were taking too many contested shots because we see them hit them all the time. Like, we're we're used to them hitting those kind of shots, but maybe – Maybe this is an indication that, hey, these guys are, you know, they've got some years on them too. And maybe John Morant is clearly the best player. We'll we'll see. He's clearly the best player in the series. Um, That's not really a stretch to say a guy of his talent could be the best player in the series. But I think a lot of people would assume, hey, it's going to be Steph Curry because it's Steph Curry. And Steph is phenomenal, is going to do his thing. But maybe, maybe when it's all said and done, it's going to be John Morant when we look back at this series. I, I don't know. We still there's some still some things that we got to figure out and learn about about both teams. But uh, I still gonna I, I'm still sticking with Golden State to win the series. But I'm I'm, I'm after Peyton's injury, I lost. I was shaken a little bit, especially like I said, especially the way Morant got off in Game Two and he was able to close. But yeah, maybe they come up with something else that works, that 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 writes the ship on that end. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If John Morant is the best player in the series, does that mean he's the best point guard in the NBA? Uh, his teammate Desmond Bain said that in January, that, that, hey, we should be talking about John Morant as the best point guard in the NBA. And at the time, I'm like, eh, not quite. Uh, still Seth Curry. There's still Chris Paul. Uh, but John Morant's on the right track, looking very good at, and rising. Uh, has he risen? Is he there? Is he the best point guard in the NBA? I don't think he's there yet. Um, I, I still got to see w- was game two an aberration in terms of him hitting those shots because look the defense is clearly you go under you go under one or go under two whenever he gets a screen whatever they gave him shots um, mm-hmm. and he hit them to his credit can he do if he can do that consistently um, then we're talking about potentially I, I might be willing to say yes um, but if that game two was an aberration and he regresses to, you know, being what he's been at times, which is a self check when it comes to some of those shots, um, then I, I don't think you could say that. The obviously the area that he can improve the probably the most beyond shooting to me is defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think a guy with that athleticism 
uh, and that kind of you know who who can the kind of things he can do in a quarter on the offensive end uh, to apply some of that a little bit more to defensive end that he would be better. He wouldn't be a guy that teams would target as much. Um, and I think when you get to the point where teams are no longer trying to get switches against you so they can exploit you kind of like what happened to Luka Doncic in game two <laughs> against the Suns, then I think you rise to the best at your position. So are the young guys, would I say the up-and-coming guys, is he the best at the position? I'd probably say yes to that. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I don't yeah, think any yeah, of the yeah. other young guys are that close. Yeah, I don't think anybody yeah, is in his range. So the next evolution for him is to get to that next step, to be considered the best. I, I don't think he's far away. So the jump shot? Hit that shot. Even if it's not the three-point shot, hit that mid-range, and, or, and especially if he can add the three. And if he's just credible defensively, um, yeah. I, th- I think in a year or two, we'd be saying this is hands down the best point guard in the NBA because he has all the physical tools, tools, uh, and he's shown some semblance of a jumper that he can he can get there and be there consistently. I'm curious who you uh, would pick for most improved player this year. I had John Morant, um, and then one of the side plots of these playoffs has been Draymond Green saying that's ridiculous, LeBron James saying that's ridiculous, because John Morant was already too good. I'm always fascinated by the most improved player debate, uh, because to make a case for your guy, for for Draymond Green as Jordan Poole, uh, you – at least implicitly, and Draymond Green practically did this explicitly. You got to really say your guy. He was garbage last year. This is a, he was so bad last year. Now he's better. Uh, you know, he, Draymond Green going on about Jordan Poole being a, in the minor league. Uh, you know, obviously John Morant is a better player than Jordan Poole this year. John Morant was a better player than Jordan Poole last year. Uh, who's most improved? You could debate that. Uh, I'm curious, who did you have for most improved? Uh, I like Bain. Yeah, he was my second choice. He was my number two. I like Bain, and I'm, here, what, what I'm kind of like when it comes to when it comes to stuff like most improved. I figure like guys like Ja, he's going to get awards. <laughs> he's going to have his moment to get other recognition and awards and All Star appearances and MVPs. And so I think I'm probably a little bit more slanted towards guys who are more unsung for that kind of thing. But I, there, there's no hard fast rule that. You know, I, I I don't look at John Morant as being uh, most improved as a as a travesty by any stretch of the imagination, because he has made tremendous strides. I, I don't think that's I I don't have a problem with it per se, but I would have probably lean I would lean more towards guys like in Bain's category, uh, just because it seems like that award is kind of for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, guys, but I'm not. I'm not. I can see it both ways when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I like it. Might be nicer for Bain to win it than Morant. Um, I'm not sure Morant wanted it because that's admitting, yeah, you weren't as good last year. I don't know if he wants to that on his record. Um, Draymond Green seems to not want that on Morant's record for that reason, right? It seemed like a supportive thing to John yeah. Morant. Same with LeBron. It didn't seem like they were. Uh, at, at all different than the rest of us and how good John Moran is this year, just a difference of opinion on how good it was last year. And I remember last year and we weren't having any discussions of whether John Moran was the best point guard in the NBA. We weren't even talking about his John Moran an all-star. Right. Uh, you know, you, you probably, if you were thinking about all-stars, you'd put him on your longer list and say, no, not quite, not this year. Uh, and that'd be about the end of it. And so I, I think that's a huge growth. Um, it's harder to, to make these leaps the higher you get towards superstardom. Yeah. Uh, so I give more credit to that. Desmond Bain went from a solid player to a very good player, uh, probably a similar level that John Morant was last year. John Morant went from where he was last year to a borderline superstar. I mean, you could debate whether he's just a star or he's a superstar. To me, he's near that line. Uh, you mentioned Luka Doncic getting targeted. Let's talk a little bit more about that Maverick Sun series before we uh, switch over to the East. Um, if we both are convinced that the Suns are favorites, do you see any reason for hope for the Mavericks in this series? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. Luke is going to have to average like 60 a game. <laughs> well, I mean, or, or, or they could go the other way. I mean, Luca was phenomenal in the first half tonight, uh, but defensively just dreadful by the end. And his offense fell off a lot by the end. Uh, you know, I, I think they – 
I don't know. There's probably no answer here. There's probably no winning answer. Uh, you could hope Luke could get 60. Probably are going to lose that way. You could try and spread spread it around. Probably going to lose that way. They obviously have nobody nearly as talented at creating offense as Luka. To me, that's that's the problem. Of you haven't won yet, and it's only going to get harder. Uh, the Mavericks keep starting Dwight Powell. Uh, I don't know why. I don't think that's working for them. This has been a team throughout the playoffs that's shown it's at its best going small. The problem is the Mavericks just don't have enough players to do that. Uh, they played Davis Bertans tonight. He was actually all right. So you get a little more depth with with guys you can have going small, spreading the floor. Uh, but I think you're just putting too much on the, uh, what is it? If you're counting Bertans, you, I guess you have seven players you can credibly play when, when you're going to those small ball lineups. Like overall, uh, a long playoff run, everybody's going to get worn down. Yeah, and, and and let's be let's be real here. Davis Bertans, I actually tweeted tonight that there was a point in the game where he had consecutive defensive plays where he he was responsible for stops and it <laughs> led to buckets. I guarantee you, you cannot find another point in his career that's <laughs> ever happened. So just because Bertans played well tonight and he was incredible. I wouldn't bet on that sustaining. You want to <laughs> sustaining for any stretch of time? That happened. I'm convinced it happened by pure accident. Um, and you want to talk about a guy who will end up getting targeted and played off the floor, or just you know, uh, if you think they targeted Luca tonight, what would happen if Bertans got consistent minutes at at, at that rate? It, you know, it, if to me you're saying, hey man, we got to we got to rely on Bertans, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, they're in trouble. Uh, but, you know, Bertans could come in. He could make some threes. He might score more than he gives up. I mean, there's some – you know, he, he's a higher variance player. That's what you need as an underdog. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, when he gets hot, like he's a flamethrower. But, you know, I, I can't – you know, that's the one bad move the Wizards made. Uh, I mean, I guess people say the Wizards make bad moves all the time. But when they when they signed him uh, and, and gave him, what, 20 million a year somewhere in that neighborhood – I was like, wow, you cannot give a one-dimensional guy, at least to me. I don't think you can give a one-dimensional guy $20 million plus or whatever it is that he's making, who's basically, if his three isn't falling, he's worthless. <laughs> and that's worth times. That's a lot of money to give a guy, especially an unathletic guy um, who can't guard anybody, isn't a good help defender. He's not going to be a rim protector, not a distributor, just be able to hit the three. That's it. And, you know, uh, yeah, Dallas just doesn't have the pieces to, you know, to, to, to compete with the Suns. And, you know, they're basically what three, you know, if the three's not falling from all over the place the against, they, they're going to need to shoot, you know, shoot the lights out every single game. And I'm not even convinced, even if they do that, that's still going to get them to four wins if, 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 if they shot the lights out. Because like I said about Phoenix, Phoenix can do some shooting the lights out of their own and they can do so many other things to manufacture points. I just think there's more ways for them to, you know, they can get 120 points with without hardly even trying. And I think, you know, Dallas is so reliant on Luka Doncic to do just about everything. And, and you know, I, the other guys are, you know, Brunson, what, Brunson at nine points, I think, or, or something like that in game two. Um you it's know. no fun getting locked up by the Suns defenders instead of the Jazz's perimeter defenders. And I mean, exactly. And I was like, it's see, it's just not, it's not happening. I mean, he's not dropping forty points on Phoenix. This is just not going to happen. So you know, it becomes a chicken and egg. Right, okay, he he scored forty because you know you know Luca Luca was 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 hurt to begin that series and. You know, he was doing all these good things and had more freedom, which is probably helpful too. But, yeah, you're also playing against an elite-level defense versus a team that kind of forgot defense was a part of basketball. And so, you know, Brunson, you know, getting 30-, 40-point games, I think that's not going to happen in this series. And I, I just don't see any way for Dallas to win the series. They, I think they should be happy. If they could force this series to go six games somehow, I think they should consider that a win. I want to jump back to Bertanza's contract because I think that is low-key one of the more fascinating NBA stories. Uh, <laughs> he did not go to the bubble. He was entering free agency, oh, yeah. and he decided he's not going to play in the bubble. And Evan Fournier criticized him publicly for this, you know, uh, of this is what's wrong with the league. You're just sitting back and watching your teammates play. 
And I kind of, I mean, on a certain level, at minimum, at minimum, Evan Fournier was right because all these other players went to Disney World in the to live in these far less than ideal conditions. They risked exposure to coronavirus. It turned out it was actually a very safe environment, but we didn't know that at the time. But even to keep it safe, they have to isolate from their friends and family. Uh, if you go on a deep playoff run, it was a long time to be, uh, you know, living in this place. And it was all to protect the NBA's revenue so that the league's salary cap would not drop. So that summer, players like Davis Bertans could get giant contracts. And he didn't even participate to help make that happen. Uh, maybe that says something about him as a competitor. Uh, but it, it definitely says something about the dynamics of, of the NBA's uh financial system that that he could sit out and then still reap all those benefits hey they 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 have to revamp all of that nonsense i mean this has become you know i've been really critical of adam silver's leadership in the last couple of years uh in part because i i appreciate and respect that he is a little bit more fle- – he's a lot more flexible <laughs> than what David Stern was, right? Everybody – you either loved or hated David Stern. There was no in-between. And there was no – you know, most most people I thought hated him. Uh, but there's something to be said to me for leadership, even if you disagree or think they're wrong, that draws its line in the sand and, and tells you you better not cross it. Whereas Adam Silver to me – is more about this whole partnership with players. And there's times where you have to lay the smack down, say, sit down, shut up. If you don't do this, you ain't getting paid. Right. And getting, getting the troops. There's, there's almost this kind of thing like, Oh, well, he did. Davis Bertans doesn't want to play. And so the wizards were willing to, to work with him and pay him his money. And, and, and he, he comes in, he sits out, he doesn't contribute and then he comes in the camp into the season completely out of shape. Right. What the hell were you doing? You supposedly was getting ready for next season. You should have been in the best shape of your life. And you and he gets all of his money. I mean, and you know, you and you know it's been said and it's very true about how Ben Simmons and all this other nonsense. I knew we were getting right to Ben Simmons. Yeah, these guys getting paid and this stuff has to stop. Like th- there's no other place that that I know of in, in the history of the universe where you can do this, it's not even about that they make more money than you or me or anybody else. It's a principle and that owners are allowing this and teams are are basically, I think a lot in a lot of cases, unfortunately, uh, and I know this about some teams in particular, they you, you, you know you say to, to yourself as a media member or as a fan, like why is this team allowing this or, you know, taking this from this player or this in his agent and whatever. Well, there are occasions where they are sucking up to that agent because they want those agents to help steer other some of their other players who they're interested in to these teams in the future so they can have good working relationships with them. So they agents have gotten smart and have learned how to leverage that and to get what the hell they want for the, what they, for their clients. And these players are able to do it. And these teams are willing, they're enablers when it comes to this. And nobody draws a line in the sand about it. And the teams aren't going to do it. I actually think Adam Silver should do it. Uh, this whole partnership stuff, that sounds great. You want to make this a, you, you got Kyrie Irving now saying that what they're going to, he's he and KD are going to help manage the nets. What? <laughs> What? This has well, all gotten warped and out of pers- – like this has completely gotten out of control. I don't totally disagree. I got some minor disagreements on it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, what, Katie, what Kyrie said sounded bad. Kevin Durant basically said the same thing, and it sounded much better because he put it more like every superstar does, which is, well, yeah, I want to know the guys I'm playing with. You know, I know the game. I, I feel like I could have some helpful input. It's what all the superstar, almost all the superstars say. Say Kyrie just uh, put it in the most obnoxious sounding way, like like he's basically going to have a a position in the front office as opposed to just hey advising from the star player uh role as far as ben simmons you know it's a complicated situation because he's he's citing the the mental health uh and and i do have empathy for him um and everything he's going through um but yeah he's also getting paid to play basketball and it's it's so tough to know from the outside and by the outside i just mean outside ben simmons own head like i'm not sure his own team can know but you want it to be a situation where he's doing what he can to fulfill his contract, which is playing basketball. Uh, it might be harder for him than others. He, maybe he's doing everything. Uh, but I, I think there's some doubt there. Um, I, I think I, there was a report that some of his teammates in Brooklyn already have that that doubt that he, he's doing what he can to be out there. And that that's, I think, all you can ask. But it's real hard to judge when a player is giving it his all and still coming up short of being able to be on the court or when he's not giving it his all to be on the court. Do you remember, I I don't know if you remember this far back in the eighties. Do you remember Andrew Tony? I know the name, but no, not really. The Boston strangler from the Philadelphia 76ers. Andrew Tony, he had a foot issue and that was keeping him out of games. People were wondering for years, like, man, what is, what is wrong with him? Like he was missing games and whatever. And the owner questioned, I can't remember who the owner was at the time questioned his willingness to play and it turned out tony was really hurt but the injury he had people weren't familiar with it was plantar fasciitis he had him in his feet um and and i know what plantar fasciitis was i had it for a long time and it's excruciating um until i started doing hot yoga and all that other stuff and it helped cure it believe it or not but anyway be that as it may you know, we weren't as advanced on how to deal with something like plantar fasciitis because it doesn't – you can get an X-ray and you can get all kinds of tests and it doesn't show up because it's a it's a tissue inflammation. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with in the sense that people question his heart, his willingness to play, his desire. And he genuinely had foot issues that ruined his career. And he basically – you know, after he helped lead, help the 76ers to that championship, uh, you know, and get Dr. J his ring because he was phenomenal. Like the people in Boston couldn't stand him because he <laughs> killed the Celtics. But his career, nobody talks about him is an all time great scorer, being clutch and all this other stuff because his career shortened. But people question him incorrectly. So I have that. So I, I say that because I have the context of knowing and remembering what that was like at that time and how a, a good guy was kind of cast in a certain light that was unfair. Um, so I get that part, but Ben Simmons, I, like, at, but at that time also guys weren't making $40 million mm-hmm. and <laughs> there's gotta be a happy medium somewhere yep. that you can't cash. You know, if I took disability from my job right now, I can't get a hundred percent. I mean, I can get a part. I can get partial. I can't get a hundred percent. How can you get for? How can you get every single dollar? At least he's trying to, uh, for not working. Um, and it's it's yeah, I, and that is hard to gauge with someone. But I think people close to a player like Ben Simmons, whether it's the front office, coaches, teammates, they have a sense of what the real deal is, and if it's real or if it's not, um, and. If they think there's something shady going on behind it uh, or something not quite on the up and up, then that's good enough for me. I, I just don't I, I just don't think that that should be 
rewarded. And my biggest, you know, I've made fun of or or poke fun at some people, not everybody. Um, you know, when we kind of got into this whole mental health thing, which is, you know, important, obviously. But I knew, I think there was a college student I knew who said that they needed a mental health break. And I knew, I knew for a fact that person didn't do their homework. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, in between, there's always going to be those people who use that kind of, you know, hey, we can't say anything about it. But hey, you didn't do your work. It was, it was a friend of mine's daughter. Oh, I need a mental health break. Oh, yeah, really? Okay, so you didn't, but I knew she didn't do X, Y, and Z. Oh, so that's what it really is. You need a chance to catch up on your work, and you're using that as a shield. And, you know, it's un- people are always going to do that no matter what the issue is. They're going to take advantage of it. Um, but I think it's fair to question him. Um, yes, that, that's my minimum. It's fair. It's, it's fair to question him. It's fair to question him. And, and uh, say, you know, give, give us a better explanation in what we have because this isn't going to fly. We need, we need more than that. Um, I'm just, I just can't take your word for it, and then I can't ask you anything about it because that part's not going to happen, not if you want that check. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm against assuming one way or the other, uh, you know, without knowing, but I, I do think it's all fair to question. Uh, let's jump back to the playoffs and maybe talk a little bit about the East. Here's something I'm curious about. So I, I love to look at, you know, oh, when a team's up 2-1 or, or whatever, you know, the situation in a series just to get a baseline. Every series is unique and you've got to apply the specific context. But I like to have that baseline. So let me give you a baseline here. Okay. When I'm talking about these best of seven series, like all those series now in the NBA, it wasn't always this way, but where you have two games uh, at, at one location and then two games at another. Okay. When teams split those first two games, they split three and four most of the time. Uh, when the home team sweeps games one and two, in games three and four, it's a split 46% of the time. Uh, so almost a majority of the time. It's still way more often uh, than the the, uh, the then there's going to be a sweep by either team, the team with home court advantage or the team without home court advantage in games three or four. So basically what I'm saying is a long way of saying that in – in these series, statistically, we're looking at most likely a split as these all four of these series shift to a new location. So I'm going to leave out Suns and Mavericks because we talked yes. about that and we talked about how we think Phoenix is really in control there. But yeah. we have the Grizzlies Warriors 1-1. We have the Celtics Bucks 1-1. And though we have the Heat 76ers 2-0, Joel Embiid could come back with the series in Philadelphia. My question is, what team of those six teams, which team is most likely to win the next two games? Uh, as the series moves to a new location, which team is most likely to win two straight? Because I think a split is most likely in all of those series for these next two. Which team is most likely to win two? Uh, Miami. Ooh, okay. Even are, are you baking in that Joel Embiid might not come back? No. Okay. No, I don't. I, I, I no. I just, I, I'm, I'm not feeling Doc Rivers. Um. I'm not feeling much about Philly at all. <laughs> at, at, even with Joel, I think he comes back. I mean, obviously, it adds another dimension. We don't know what he's gonna what he's gonna be like when he comes back. I mean, is it is it is it, are they gonna be are they gonna hit the ground running the way they were before he before he went out? Um, I mean, I felt like you know if Toronto. You know, I, I thought Toronto had a chance to make that a seven game series before you know the injuries that they had early in that series when they started dropping like flies, I knew that series was over because um, they need to be at maximum health. But I thought there was a chance all things being equal coming in that Toronto could have won that series. So uh, I wasn't really high on Philly to begin with. I'm not high on James Harden. Um, <laughs> I haven't been for quite some time as anybody who's followed me knows. Um, and you know, the, Philly's better right now with what, if you, you go with, Tobias Harris and, and Maxi <laughs> running the team rather than James Harden. Um, so, I, I mean, they have weapons. They have guys who can get the job done. I just don't – I just I just don't understand. I, I may, maybe it's because I'm really not in love with what Doc Rivers has been doing on the sideline. But, yeah, I, I see Miami as being the team that wins two in a row in Philly. So I think Joel Embiid coming back is going to be huge, and he's been limited by the thumb injury. He hasn't quite looked quite the same. But even as Toronto, he's just so impactful. He's he big and skilled, 
and just getting him on the court, I just think makes so much of a difference. Um, as far as running things through Maxi and Harris, I, I got to disagree a little. Maxi has been better than James Harden in this series, but he has a more limited role. He's not doing the playmaking that Harden is tasked with. Uh, I think Maxi's capable of doing more if you're just running things through him, but Harden has been pretty good as a passer. Um, I mean, Harden's getting held to a higher standard. He's supposed to be the other star. He's supposed to be the max player. He's not living up to that. And, and so, yeah, he deserves the criticism, right? It, he, he does have that higher standard. Um, but w- with that playmaking element, he's still been okay. Like, okay is not nearly good enough for James Harden. But he's been okay-ish, like C-minus range. You must like James Harden a lot. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to be reasonable that we're holding him to a higher standard. C-minus <laughs> is regardless of the standard. If, we, if it's based on the standard, it's, it's probably an F. But if it's based on terms of what he's producing – for a you know player, C minus. Yeah, he's supposed to be a superstar, though, isn't he? Right, right. Yeah. And so, in in that sense, he, he's not living up to it. Um, but that doesn't make him a, a a terrible player. To be honest, I haven't been overly impressed with the Heat in the series. And this is us agreeing on the 76ers. This is, this is in part because exactly. I, I think the 76ers that they're that are out there are are unimpressive. Um, I do think Doc Rivers would look better if Joel Embiid plays, because that means he's not starting DeAndre Jordan anymore. Like that, that's the biggest flaw with Doc Rivers right now. And, and that would just take care of itself. Yes. Um, you know, not that the heat have been bad. They've obviously been, been very good to, uh, to win these games comfortably. Uh, and I think the heat would look better with, with Kyle Lowry. I, I think they, they miss him. And Gabe Vincent has been solid. Um, but again, some of this is expectations, right? Gabe Vincent looks solid for a fill in starter, who barely anybody had heard of coming into the season, and, and he's playing all right in the playoffs. Um, I, I think Lowry really makes that defense complete. Um, I, I loved how they, they were defending against the Hawks. And I, I feel good about the Heat as a team once everybody gets healthy. Without Lowry, I, I do think that's a, a fairly significant missing piece. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. is You already you just made a point I was going to make. I, I don't think Miami's looked great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They haven't looked unbeatable, or they they haven't looked like a. They haven't looked like the number one seed in the West, right? <laughs> As the number one seed in the East, they, have they looked like Phoenix? No, like they're not at that level. They're, they're completely a beatable number one seed. Um, but yeah, I think it speaks to how I'm so unimpressed by Philadelphia. Just generally speaking, it's more about them than it is Miami. Um, but yeah, I was actually uh, texting with a, a front office executive uh, earlier today. We were talking about um, uh, Philadelphia and, you know, I was like, you know, we're joking about DeAndre Jordan starting. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that, that look, there is the, the drop off between Joel Embiid and the next guy is so great, which I mean, look, Joel Embiid is Embiid. It's obviously going to be a huge drop off no matter who it is. So maybe it's a little bit unfair to DeAndre to, to, to say that, but no, it's I, th- I think DeAndre has been washed for several years now. It's not, it didn't just happen this year. Right. It's, you know, I, I watched DeAndre when he was in Brooklyn, when I was in, when I was in Brooklyn covering a game when he was playing the Pacers and um, I, I think I, I remember tweeting a clip of it at the time when it happened. Uh, Demonis Sabonis like took his soul in this game. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was brutal. You know the way DeAndre Jordan is remembered for that dunk on uh, what's his Brandon name? Knight. Brandon Knight. Sabonis did that to him. I mean, obviously he wasn't flying through the air like that, but he posted him up and dominated him in similar fashion possession after possession was absolutely and actually one of his teammates in Brooklyn uh, who I was talking to after the game I said to him about I said man I said I don't know if DeAndre is ever going to be the same he says oh he said what what, what Sabonis did to him he's like I was like yeah he said yeah we saw that (laughs) (laughs) it's like he's like dude told me he's like yeah that was that was that was nasty like I, I I could go back and post clips of that game and you could see how he was manhandled. That's when I was like, okay, DeAndre's done. And that was like two and a half years ago. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's done. And Doc Rivers is starting this guy. So, um, and that's what I mean by Philadelphia just being, if DeAndre Jordan is who you're going to put your hopes on. Now, if Joel Embiid doesn't come back, Dan, are you still going to say that you think Miami can't win both? I think, 
if he doesn't come, can Miami win both? Absolutely. And, and if, if I know Embiid's not coming back, then yeah, Miami is probably my pick for that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking Embiid's coming back, I'm going to take the Warriors. Um, and mm-hmm. I know we've talked a, a lot about them already, uh, but but my case is fairly simple. They've made 28% of their three-pointers. It's a make-or-miss league. Yeah. I know it's boring, but a lot of this comes down to – we can analyze the strategy and what teams are doing. A lot of it comes down to whether you hit your fairly open three-pointers. The Warriors did not do that in Memphis, and they barely lost one game. They also barely won a game, uh, but they barely lost one. So if they start to hit their three-pointers at the rate that I think they will, I think they're the most likely to win too. And Philadelphia has the same thing uh, working in its favor. Uh, tonight, 27% of their three-pointers – uh, in game one, it was 18% on three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this is a good three-point shooting team as the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily counting on three-bound in the same way, uh, but I think it's not going to be that bad. Yeah, I mean, you can't be that bad. I, mean, I, I you know, I, I wish for their sake, you know, if, I wish they would have held on to Seth Curry somehow because um, I thought they really needed that element. Um, but, well, you got to give up something. You can't just yeah, give up a guy who's not playing. You got to yeah. give up something. Yeah, I know. You can't just get everything for nothing. So, but uh, when they when they let Seth Curry walk, I was not because I didn't like the Harden pairing to begin with, regardless of what's happened with Embiid so far. I didn't like pairing him with Embiid, and I didn't like losing Steph Curry as a result. So, uh, but that said, but what you're saying is similar to Boston and Milwaukee, which is you know, you know, Boston couldn't buy a shot in game one and you know they had to open looks it missed them and look what happened in game one versus how much better they played in game two so i think that's the kind of logic or similar logic you're applying to golden state and yeah golden state missed i mean you remember i don't know if you remember late in that game two golden state's up 97 95 and they they got to stop and Curry gets the ball coming down the court, and he pulls up from a three, and all he hits was backboard. They could have yep. gone up five points with, I want to say it was at the two minute mark or somewhere under that. If he hits that shot, I think the outcome of the game is different. But, but even for Steph Curry, that that was not a good shot, and that that's yeah. where the difference is. Where, yeah. where you're talking about, uh, they're not these guys are aging. They can't take the same shots. They got to work for the good shots. They can't yes, and those. yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think they they they've kind of hit their starting. Uh, at least I think I'm starting to see them go to that other side of, you know, of 30 where, yeah, it's not quite, it doesn't look as good anymore. And they're going to hit those shots a lot less frequently and they have to be a little bit more judicious in, in taking those because that wasn't a good shot. And it turned out, you know, five, three, four years ago, is that a great shot for Steph Curry? It probably is. It's probably nothing but net. But I think those days are starting to get in the rear view, which is going to beg the question after they lose this season, which I think is going to be in the Western Conference Finals. They're close, but, you know, if they don't make the right move here in the next year and do something to juggle up that roster to get them to that championship level, I mean, their, their window may have closed. Well, I think they already made the mistake. I think they made the mistake this year. To me, this is a championship caliber roster. This is a bona fide contender. Are they going to win it? Oh, probably not. Uh, but I, I'd say the same of almost any championship contender, maybe Phoenix. Phoenix, to me, is close to being favored against the field. I'd probably take the field. So I guess I'd say any team in the league probably isn't going to win it. But you have Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody. These guys, Kaminga is playing a little now, but in general, these guys aren't helping you. You could have traded them for veterans. Is it going to shorten your window? Yes, but it's going to open it wider right now. To me, when you are this good, when you're a championship contender, you need to do more to go all in. You can't assume that Steph Curry and Draymond Green are going to be playing at this level even next year, given yeah. their age. And, and so I, I think they already blew it. Um, maybe, maybe it'll work out. They could win the title this year. And then, I mean, I like Kaminga and Moody long-term, not so much Wiseman, uh, but I like Kaminga and Moody long-term. So maybe it works out. Maybe they win the title this year and have those guys for the future. Uh, but, but I think that's too narrow of a needle to thread. Yeah. I, you know what? I totally forgot Wiseman was on the team until you brought yeah. him. <laughs> I, just, I completely forgot about him. Um, There's your rim protector. Yeah. And it's, you know, if he had any defensive awareness at all and, and obviously we're healthy. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what they're missing. Like if that, if they had hit on that guy, then our conversation to me about Golden State is completely different. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, hasn't, you know, I, I guess uh, other teams have showed you in the past that if you have Steph and these guys who are at least close, even though they may not be as good 
or as elite as they once were, this close and you have a championship contending team or a team that could be on the cusp of doing that, then, you know, most teams that you see, most front offices, look at what the Lakers did when they won it, even though it was a bubble title. I don't really consider that the same thing. But um, <laughs> I'm going to be a hater. Hater, just, yeah. I'm going to be I, – I at least admit it and I own it. But, yeah, but, you know, if you're, if you're that close, you make the moves even if short – even if long term, you know, it, it may gut you. But if you get if you get another championship or a couple of championships out of it, it's worth it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's this is the most arrogant team in basketball to believe that they can do this plan, that they can win anyway and win later. You probably should be picking one. And it should absolutely be the present uh, when you have Steph Curry and Draymond Green in their prime. But let's close out talking about the series we haven't really gotten as much into, uh, the Bucks and Celtics. It sounds like we both think this is the series most likely to go long, but yes. I'll be honest, I, I have a hard time getting a read on this series. I was surprised that the Bucks won as comfortably as they did uh, in game one without Chris Middleton. I, I came into the series thinking this would be a great series if everybody were healthy without Middleton. Uh, I thought the Celtics had a, a fairly decent advantage, and it looked more like what I expected in game two, and to the point where I'm wondering, okay, maybe the Celtics don't play that well. Giannis probably adjusts somewhat to the defense uh, of Al Horford and Grant Williams, who are excellent against him. Uh, I'm not saying the Celtics are going to win every game, uh, the rest of the series by 20, but that looked more like I was thinking, I'm wondering, well, was game one the aberration and uh, maybe the Celtics are comfortably in control the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of, you know, it's it's hard to get a read on, okay, wh- which which one is real and which one is uh, deception. Um, it's hard for me to go against Milwaukee, um, given obviously that they've been there and they kind of have the, we, we know, I do know this about Milwaukee. Like that's a team that even when things don't go right and they're not shooting the ball well and it's an ugly game, they can win ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Boston can do the same thing. <laughs> Boston can win ugly too. But True. I know I know Milwaukee can do it all the way to a championship. Yep. Um, and so that's why I could see either one of these teams. You know, like maybe every game in this series. You know, one of the I think it's going to come down when one of these teams is going to have a real bad, ugly game the way Boston had in game one, the way Milwaukee had in game two and still win that game. And that's going to be the deciding factor in the series. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I kind of feel that way um, because I think both teams are capable of it with the way they defend. Um, and um, Boston's going to have their shots. Um you know, Giannis, I think, you know, Giannis is going to do Giannis stuff, man. You know, look, you got to you can't question a guy that scores 50 points in a game, a closeout game or to win a championship. So um, Giannis is going to bounce back from what, you know, the, what happened in game two. Um, the one thing I worry about Boston, though, is, um, you know, Smart and Jalen Brown uh, looking like they're about to go out injured at any moment. <laughs> um, and. You know, they lose either one of those guys for any prolonged period of time. I think that really flips the scales. Um, and if neither guy – so I'm, I'm curious how both of those guys look, you know, in these next couple of games and how they hold up physically. And I think that also will kind of give me an idea uh, of where this is headed because, you know, if they lose both – if both of those guys are at are not anywhere near full strength and are handicapped in any way, shape, or form um, – you know, I, I don't think it's going to bode well with the Boston, but I, this is going to be one of those series where, you know, whoever wins is probably going to be so banged up and beat up, they're going to look like a loser. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I like, but I like it. I actually, this is, this is my favorite series in the East, in the Golden State. Uh, Memphis is my favorite series in the West. Well, no Marcus Smart in the last game, but the Celtics got by. I, I think that probably boosted their offense somewhat. Obviously, Derek White uh, did not play well, did not score yeah. well, but, but some more minutes for Peyton Pritchard, uh, who, who's a, a talented scorer. And, um, you know, it gave Jalen Brown a chance to have the ball in his hands, and he looked awesome until, like you said, looking banged up. I, I have a little more faith in Jason Tatum. Uh, obviously, it wouldn't be good for the Celtics if Marcus Smart and or Jalen Brown are sidelined. Uh, but Jason Tatum is really, really good. Uh, he could put this team on his back for a time. And I, I'm not sure the Bucks have a defender 
for Jason Tatum as good as the Celtics do. And I think the Celtics probably have two for Giannis. There's no shutting down Giannis, uh, but, but the job Al Horford and Grant Williams can do on Giannis uh, is so impressive. Hey, man, Al Horford, man, it tells you, like, <laughs> it, it kind of gives you an idea how Philly really screwed up. Look, he didn't fit in Philly to begin with, but, um, yeah, had everybody thinking that he was washed and how much that he has left and how much of a contributor he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, Al Horford is – think about how long he's done it. Like, he's been an undersized five who's banged against big guys like Embiid in the post, and then he's been a four who's gone against these – long rangy wiry type of athletic wings that he's had to defend uh and guys like Giannis like he can do you can fill him in just about everywhere and I I think Al Horford is uh I I love so much about his game and what he does and you know and what he also does like what he did so well I thought like when they won that first round series against Brooklyn you know he gave the Celtics that option where you know if you put a guy who's six foot tall on him, he's going to post him up and get you get you a layup, right? That's not going to necessarily happen with Milwaukee because Milwaukee is big and long everywhere, and it's you know it's a little bit different game. But Al Horford to me, you take this away from him on the offensive end, he's a good facilitator. He doesn't necessarily have to score. You know, he's not a high volume three point shooter, but you know he can you know, step into some threes. It takes him like a week and a half to get the shot off, but he'll knock it down if you don't close him out. It seems like every time he he does something defensively, offensively, guarding smaller guys, uh, guarding bigger guys, it seems like he can do just a little bit of everything. And you always need uh, a guy like him uh, to be able to win. So uh, I'm a huge I've been a huge fan of his for quite some time. Uh, with, with with Smart and his quad, they haven't they haven't decided or announced where his status for for Game Three. Not that I've seen that. Yeah. So his, I mean, they can get by obviously without Marcus, but I, I, I don't know if, if I, I want to see what happens with Jalen, if he's okay. Uh, you know, and Jason Tatum, you're right. Like he can do just about everything. Like he, he's risen so high um, in my estimation, as opposed to what I thought of him a year ago, uh, a year and a half ago when he was taking terrible step back contested twos and was taking bad shots it was more to me about when he had that rookie year and everybody was fascinated then he came back and I thought his shot selection wasn't as good but all of these other things that Jason Tatum does defensively he's gotten so much better um I mean, as a passer so he, much better, he's, yeah. he's, he has gotten so much better at all sorts of things and I like the way Boston plays so I see this series going seven games um, I think you're right about what they can throw at Giannis to slow him down. Um, but um, I love Drew Holiday, and yeah. I thought I thought when Milwaukee acquired him, um, I thought he was the difference he, going into the playoffs. I thought he was going to be the difference in whether or not they won the championship. And I think he's, you know, I, I don't know what his numbers are for the series, but he's one of those guys to me who can have a game statistically where you look at a box score and it doesn't blow you away but he does all of these other things that help you win. Um, they have a lot of, you know, uh, they, they have a lot of similar players on each side of the, on, for both of these teams, like Grant, Grant Williams, um, just, yeah, just physical, uh, hard nose. Boston made some slight moves this year. They got, you know, they, they got, they have defensive players everywhere. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I like this series. To me, this is like a, a throwback series in a way, like the emphasis being on defense because we're going to see plenty of it. And, and and that's what I like about this. I just don't know if either team's going to have anything left if they, uh, if they, if they make it out of here. Cause I think, I think whichever team wins that series is going to advance to the finals. Cause I will take them over Miami in an Eastern conference final. Yeah, I think I would too, but that's not going to be any fun to go against that, that hard nosed Miami defense after, Getting through this series, no, uh, yeah, that's I mean, tough. We have anything left, and again, if if it ends up being Boston, the question is going to be how healthy are they going to be going into that kind of series? Because maybe, maybe these injuries for Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown persist, and they don't go away, and and it, that that changes that changes things a little bit. So, yeah, I will bring it all the way back full circle. Al Horford looks so good, looks so spry because Adam Silver let him sit out half the season in Oklahoma City. That's true, and, and cash his checks, too. Yep. 
Yeah, you got to be healthy, happy about that. See, and he didn't come back looking like Davis Bertans. <laughs> <laughs> you see, see when when you sit out, you should come back ready, ready to go. You know, and that's how it should be. You shouldn't come back, you know, like Bertans, who's like thirty pounds overweight. Um, is, but yeah. is, that, <laughs> is that a comment about Ben Simmons too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He hurt. Yeah, he hurt his back. Right. Um, but you know, Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a comment about Ben Simmons. But you know, he somehow he hurts his back when he's uh, sitting out doing nothing, which is one of the greatest mysteries to me. But I, you got to remember, Dan. He he was uh, wasn't it? Um, I can't remember a reporter who posted a video of Simmons at practice saying, "Watch this, get this on video of him dunking." bragging about like hey i'm ready to like somehow that meant something a 610 guy dunking in practice be that as it may uh you're sitting here celebrating talking about teasing everybody like oh you're good to go and now you can't play because of your because of your back um which may very well be true but i I mean i I could i don't i could see sitting out all year making it so your back's more likely to be sore that doesn't seem wild to me uh on the other hand Maybe that's a problem with sitting out all year. Yeah. Well, and also, here's the thing, though. If you – I had a friend of mine tell me this. He says, you know, we we were talking about different athletes in different sports, and he's like – and I thought about this, too. It's like, well, if you're sitting out and you're getting yourself right and you're getting ready, I mean, shouldn't you be going through an intense stretching regimen every day? Because that's something that, by the way, I learned as I got older. I stretch every morning and every evening. Um, significantly with my hams and my my back. And so, because I used to have major back issues. I don't have them anymore. So if you're Ben Simmons and you got all these millions of dollars and these high-level trainers and stuff, are you not doing stuff like that to loosen your body and to give you flexibility so you don't have this kind of stuff bother you when you start practicing and being active again? Like, isn't part of your job, isn't part of your job, even when you're not playing, to be in shape? to be ready, to have the proper prep work. So when you step into that arena, you're ready to go. That's a part of your job. And it absolutely is. Yeah. And it, but we don't know. Maybe he is doing those things and has just been unlucky with it. You can do all those things and still have back pain. Maybe and you could not do those things and get away with it. Maybe it's because his ego is so big, it's added extra weight to it. <laughs> <laughs> or, he, or he's trying to carry all that money instead of using a Brinks truck because he's got plenty of it. But, yeah, I, I, I'm having trouble having sympathy for Ben Simmons, I mean, especially now that you mentioned I totally forgot about Al sitting out and getting paid from Oklahoma City, which had to be the greatest job. I mean, A, you get your money. B, you don't have to be in Oklahoma City. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always taking shots at Oklahoma City. I, I can't help it. <laughs> well, you really got to be always taking shots at Oklahoma City. If somehow on a podcast where ostensibly we're, we're going to talk about the playoffs, and I think we did a lot, are you still getting a shot about Oklahoma City when we're talking playoffs? I can't that, that's resist. Talent. I can't resist. It's one of the worst places on earth. Yeah, the NBA should be in Seattle. Damn you. Damn you deal makers that made the Supersonics leave Seattle. So I couldn't go to Seattle and had to go to Oklahoma City all these years. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Memphis instead of Vancouver. I'm, I'm not going to forgive them for that either. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.